The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for joining me on what is probably a very cold and rotten night for many of you. I'm just outside of the uh, greater Washington, D.C. area. I'm in the Washington, D.C. area, and we're not too bad here, but we understand that you folks who are in New York City are going to be having the mother of all snowstorms. So, What I'm going to say to that is, I think it's a great night for you to just kind of sit back, kick back, relax, and kind of join the fun here, because tonight, I'd like to talk with you about not delivering in a baby-friendly hospital. Before I go to that, though, I would just like to say a couple of things. First of all, if you have not delivered your baby yet, or even if you have delivered your baby yet, and if you have questions about the baby-friendly hospital initiative or delivering at a baby-friendly hospital, or if you want to comment about what your experience was like, I really, really, really want you to call in. Now, I also know that for many of you, uh, listening live is difficult because you might be picking up kids from school if you're on the West Coast. And certainly if you're on the East Coast here, you might be driving home from work. And I definitely do not want you to be using your telephone if you're trying to negotiate the rather icky roads here. But if you're at home and if you possibly can call in, uh, if you have a question about baby-friendly I'm your go-to gal, all right? I really feel that this is an area that I really know a lot about. As many of you know, I am the past president of Baby Friendly USA. I was the president for about a decade. So while I suppose there might be questions that could come up that I might not know the answer to, I think those questions are pretty few and far between. So I would like you to think about calling in at half past the hour. And um, just be able to tell me rather concisely, what is your question about not delivering at a baby-friendly hospital or even delivering at a baby-friendly hospital? I'm sort of going on the presumption that many of you will not have the opportunity to deliver at a baby-friendly hospital just because there are relatively few uh, Last I knew, it was less than 10% of the hospitals in the U.S. have achieved the baby-friendly hospital status. So I'm kind of assuming that many of you are in the boat where you might like to do it, but in fact, that is not an option for you. 
So before we get too far down the road here, I'd also like to remind any professionals who are listening, I have a bunch of courses coming up. I've actually got just two main courses that I'll be giving this spring. It's just that they're in a bunch of cities and already I'm tired just thinking about it. But next month, that is in February, I will be in San Diego. I will be in Woodbridge, New Jersey. And that is very, very near to the Trenton Airport and just outside of Washington, uh, excuse me, just outside of New York City. Of course, let's hope that they get unearthed from the snow within a couple of months here. And also in Baltimore, which is also an airport location. All of those, the San Diego, Woodbridge, New Jersey, and Baltimore are my uh, comprehensive courses. I'll also be having my review courses coming up. I have one coming in Atlanta. And by the way, this is now, I think the first time that I ever gave a course in Atlanta was in 1994. And I have been there, I believe, every year consecutively since, although not always with the review course. But uh, I've gotten pretty familiar with Atlanta. I will also be in the review course in Baltimore, Woodbridge, New Jersey, Dallas, Dallas, Texas, and finally ending up the big season in uh, the north in Boston. Okay, so let's talk a little bit then about baby friendly. And the first thing I would like for you to think about is, why is this such a big deal? Well, as I alluded to a few minutes ago, Only a very small fraction of hospitals in the United States have earned the baby-friendly hospital designation. Now, let me be clear about this. When I say baby-friendly hospital, I mean that is a registered trademark. Some hospitals sort of just flippantly call themselves baby-friendly, but they really should not be doing that unless they have earned the baby-friendly designation and understand that that is a registered trademark. Now, the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative or the Baby Friendly designation is voluntary. There is not a requirement that a hospital enroll in this program. So, people very often will ask me questions about what exactly baby friendly means. So, I hope I can get you straightened out here. Let me give you a little background. It's a little boring, but I think that it really helps you to understand the um, the depth of this program. In 1974, the 27th World Health Assembly noted the general decline in breastfeeding in many parts of the world. And this decline was related to sociocultural factors and other factors, including the promotion of manufactured breast milk substitutes. The World Health Assembly urged, and I quote, member countries to review sales promotion activities on baby food and to introduce appropriate remedial measure, including advertising codes and legislation where necessary. And that was Resolution WHA 27. All right, so skip from 1974 up to 1977. 
Then the World Health Organization, the WHO, recognized that the lofty goal for, quote, highest attainable standard of health, as set out in its 1946 constitution, was kind of more theoretical than real. So, in an attempt to achieve this goal, they started this slogan called Health for All. And that concept was launched actually in 1978 at a conference in Alma-Ada. There, it was the 31st World Health Assembly when they identified the prevention of infant malnutrition as a public health priority. And breastfeeding was a way to achieve this priority resolution. Okay, so, so much for 74 and 77. I do hope you realize, though, that we're talking the world front. All right, this is not a U.S. thing. This or, or any other country. This is a world thing. And so in 1988, fast forward a bit there, the World Health Organization and UNICEF put forth their statement, protecting, promoting, and supporting breastfeeding, the special role of maternity services. This statement outlined universally relevant principles and action steps. And it was really intended as a summary of of really what needed to be done to improve perinatal breastfeeding efforts throughout the world. And so, basically, things moved from there to these 10 steps to successful breastfeeding. And many of you, I'm sure, have heard of these 10 steps to successful breastfeeding that were contained in that document. And, And these were sort of intended as an executive summary and later became the cornerstone for what we now know as the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative, that is the BFHI. And the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative was started in 1991. Notice how slow the U.S. has been to come on board here. So this important document really contained the checklist for evaluating the adequacy of support for breastfeeding, which served as the backbone and the impetus for breastfeeding promotion in the 1990s. Which, by the way, I was in the hospital at, at, those, at all of those times. And in 1991, UNICEF and the WHO, the World Health Organization, launched the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative. And it was really designed to overcome some of those general barriers that hospitals imposed on women throughout the world. And when I say throughout the world, I mean that currently there are, if I'm up to date, I believe that it is more than 15,000 hospitals throughout the world. Uh, here in the U.S., we're a little over 200. Okay, so we're, we're pretty pitiful. So basically, this... 10 Steps to Baby Friendly was really like a postage stamp distillation of the whole Baby Friendly Hospital initiative, and it started in 1991. The aim was to contribute to the provision of safe and adequate nutrition for infants by the protection, promotion, and support of breastfeeding, and by ensuring the proper use of breast milk substitutes when those were necessary. Understand now, this was for hospitals and specifically for the well baby units of 
the hospital. So no NICU. Before we go to break, I'm going to review for you those 10 steps. And if you want them, trust me, they're printed all over the internet. I think I've got them practically memorized. But here they are. One, have a written breastfeeding policy that is routinely communicated to all healthcare staff. Two, train all staff in the skills necessary to implement this policy. Three, inform all pregnant women about the benefits and management of breastfeeding. Four, help mothers initiate breastfeeding within the first hour after birth, which, by the way, that one got changed a little bit after it got written initially. Show mothers how to breastfeed and how to maintain lactation, even if they are separated from their infants. Number six, give infants no food or drink other than breast milk unless medically indicated. Number seven, practice rooming in. Allow mothers and infants to remain together 24 hours a day. Number nine, encourage, uh, no, I think that should be number eight, encourage breastfeeding on demand. Number nine, give no pacifiers or artificial nipples to breastfeeding infants. And finally, number 10, foster the establishment of breastfeeding support groups and refer mothers to them on discharge from the hospital or the birth center. When we come back, then, I'll be talking about what these steps have to do with the hospital that you may or may not be going to or may not have been to to have your baby. Don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuso. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash donor. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuso? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? 
As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for coming back. Uh, in the first segment, I was talking about sort of that really bigness of the baby-friendly hospital initiative. And I know a little of that history is a little dry, but I feel like people really need to understand that this initiative did not happen overnight. And it's not something that somebody just cooked up in their living room and said, oh, gee, you know, this is good. We ought to like take this to hospitals. It just wasn't like that. It was huge. And it's years, years worth of information and research to support those 10 steps, and it is literally a global thing. So now that we've talked about what I hope is the seriousness of that, I hope that maybe now I can talk to you a little bit about how to determine if you're really going to have access to that or not. Because, you know, these 10 steps sound good, don't they? They sound easy, don't they? Well, they're not. I also have been an assessor for the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative here in the United States. I'm no longer doing that, by the way. So I feel like I have no conflict of interest in talking to you. But um, and, and I do do mock assessments for hospitals, however, which uh, is just kind of a, a help to help them understand where they're at before they get the real thing. But here's the thing. These steps are really not easy for hospitals to implement. And if they were easy to implement, then a whole lot more hospitals would have done it. So I kind of want you to understand in the hospital that you're going to to deliver your baby, what is the continuum here? There's everything from baby-friendly, what's that? All the way up to, oh, yeah, baby-friendly, yeah, we got our baby-friendly hospital designation five years ago or whatever. And then there's everything in between. So I'm going to try to help you to walk through and make sure that you really understand what it is that you're getting when you walk into the hospital that you have in mind. All right, now many hospitals are trying to earn the designation as baby-friendly. I've heard the the number 300 thrown around. I don't know if that's, I, I would think it's at least 300. There's probably more who aren't actually flaunting it yet. But there are many, many hospitals that are not designated, but they are in the, the uh, 
the pipeline for becoming baby-friendly. And some of them are even probably making very steady progress. But they are not yet able to achieve those 10 steps. If they were able to achieve them, well, they would be designated, not just trying to be. I can also tell you that sometimes when I go to a hospital to do a consult, uh, people tell me, oh, we're almost ready. We're almost ready. And I walk in the door and I think, oh, you're not even close. How do I break the news? Okay. So if they say that they are trying to become baby friendly, that's a good thing. It's absolutely a good thing. But don't expect that care is going to be pristine because they aren't there yet. Here's the next thing. Some hospitals participate in a program that somewhat mimics the 10 steps and the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative, but it's not actually the 10 steps or the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative. I'm thinking, for example, and let me pick on Texas for a moment because that's another state where I have been teaching uh, at least once a year, often uh, twice or more times a year. Uh, for at least a decade, and I will tell you that there there are a lot of hospitals who are doing the Texas 10 steps. Now, yes, there are some who are also doing the baby-friendly, but some are doing the Texas 10 steps, which is similar to the baby-friendly hospital initiative, but it's really not the same, okay? So I would say that's that's good, that's better than nothing, but you're not going to get the same level of care. Now, some hospitals have actually earned the baby-friendly hospital designation. And trust me, if they have earned the baby-friendly hospital designation, there will be little doubt in your mind. First of all, they will flaunt it all over the place. I can think of hospitals where I have seen their uh, banner while I'm on the interstate, and they've got this gigundous banner up that says, we achieved Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative Award. Or it might be in their halls. In fact, it probably is in their hallway. Uh, I can think of uh, one hospital where I personally delivered uh, the award where uh, at the time I was the, the, the president of Baby Friendly USA. Uh, this is like a big deal. They had a big party and so forth. That's typically what it's like. So, all of that is all well and good. And if you have that opportunity to be at a hospital that's baby-friendly, that's really great. But a lot of you really don't have that opportunity. There are some states, by the way, California has the most amount of baby-friendly hospitals. I'm thinking there's more than 50. There's probably much more than 50. That's probably a conservative guess on my part. The rest of the country, not so much so. There are states where there are no baby-friendly hospitals. So if you don't have the good fortune to deliver in that baby-friendly hospital, then I guess I kind of want you to make your own good fortune, all right? If you find yourself in a situation where the hospital has not been designated as baby-friendly, your aim should be to get the benefits of those 10 steps, even if you're in a hospital that has not earned that designation. And for that, I have what I think are about five, let's see, did I write them down? Um, I think five 
All right, I can't count three, I guess. <laughs> Sorry. Um, three, what I believe to be surefire strategies for getting those 10 steps to happen for you and your baby, even if the hospital can't get it to happen for everybody else and every el- everybody else's baby. All right. Number one, awareness. Awareness, awareness, awareness is huge, okay? Be aware of what really happens inside the hospital as related to childbearing in general and breastfeeding in particular. So this is like just general. And I would start out with things like, who are the physicians who will be taking care of your baby? Will it be the pediatrician that you actually hired? I am guessing probably not. Probably the hospital has a hospitalist. And it's probably a pediatric hospitalist for uh, the newborn nursery. And if so, uh, that that's not necessarily bad. But understand that this is a person that you probably don't know, have no rapport with, and you don't know where they're coming from. So, for example... Uh, when we talk about hospitalists, I don't want you to be turned off. I am absolutely thinking of the fact that when I teach a course for professionals, I've had hospitalists attend the program. That tells me that they're interested in breastfeeding. They know the real deal. They know how things should be done. So I'm not trying to dump on them at all. I'm just trying to say there are a lot of hospitalists out there who don't know anything about breastfeeding And that may be the person who's taking care of your baby. So you need to get a grip on who's going to be taking care of your baby. Here's another one. How many patients actually deliver at that hospital in a year's time? In general, the bigger numbers are not as encouraging. The smaller numbers are usually good. I've worked in a number of hospitals over my career, and I, as a general rule, I usually think that any time that the hospital is doing more than 1,200 deliveries per year, it usually means that there's a lot of complications, a lot of red tape, a lot of people that are having trouble moving a big hospital system forward. Now, that being said, I want to be very quick to add that there absolutely are hospitals out there who do thousands and thousands and thousands of deliveries per year, and they have attained the baby-friendly hospital uh, designation. So it can be done, but those, those big hospitals, I'd be asking a lot of questions. Uh, what's the cesarean rate at the hospital? And if you're sitting there saying, wait a minute, Marie, what does this have to do with anything? Ooh, it has a lot to do with it. Because getting your baby to breast after your cesarean is not as easy for the hospital to facilitate as if you had had a vaginal delivery. Sometimes it also tells you that there's a, it's a hospital where there's a lot of intervention. And as my old dentist said one time, intervention begets intervention. Along with interventions, how many inductions of labor occur each day at the hospital? Take a look at that. All right, we talked a little bit about personnel at the hospital. Will your pediatrician see the baby? Uh, What about who else is there? 
For example, are there midwives, nurse practitioners, or clinical nurse specialists at the hospitals? In my experience, the nurse midwives tend to be very supportive of breastfeeding. And ding, 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 I just had three midwives come to the professional course that I did in Orlando a couple of weeks ago. So yay to you guys. Um, the nurse practitioners and the sort of the um, the clinical nurse specialists, uh, probably. But again, sometimes that runs hot and cold. And before I go to break, I would just like to mention as related to personnel, does the hospital have a board-certified lactation consultant on staff? Understand, I'm not saying that the IBCLC is critical for best practices in a hospital. Uh, Certainly, I felt like I brought best practices to a hospital long before I was an IBCLC. But I would say that some Usually, it, it's a testament that the hospital is interested enough in breastfeeding to hire a board-certified lactation consultant. <laughs> if you had one you don't like, just remember, there are some that are excellent. There are some who aren't. It's just like lawyers or accountants or anybody else. There are the good ones and the not-so-good ones. But I do think it's a fair statement that's, that if the hospital is invested in hiring that person, then probably there's going to be really good breastfeeding practices. Okay, Uh, I want you to think about calling me in the next segment. And that number to call in is 1-866-472-5792. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. We'll be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. 
Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that, too, through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuzzo, your host for Born to be Breastfed. Thanks so, so much for being with me on this cold, snowy, icky night. And uh, yeah, yeah, for me, it really is. It's dark here. I know on the West Coast, it's not. So before we uh, left in the last segment, what I was talking to you about is, first of all, being aware of what's going on at the hospital where you think that you're going to be delivering. And I said, your number one strategy is awareness. Your number two strategy is what I'm going to give you now, which is generate alternatives for yourself. Now, the first alternative that I'm going to suggest to you is if you really hate the thoughts of delivering it, and I hear this all the time, oh, I really don't want to go to that hospital because my friends went there and blah, 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 blah. Okay, here's my first alternative. Have you considered having a home birth? If you have a low-risk pregnancy and if you want an ideal breastfeeding experience, you need to consider having a home birth. Yes, there are people who are professionals who will attend your home birth, I see these people all the time. They come to my courses. I'm telling you, they're out there. And this, by the way, this alternative is being generated by a nurse who used to think that that was like the kookiest thing in the world. I'm sure I will never forget many years ago, I was working labor and delivery, and I was actually standing in the checkout line at uh, Lori's Natural Foods in Rochester, New York, which, by the way, if you're anywhere, if you're within 50 miles of Rochester, you really need to check out Lori's Natural because they're still there. It's a fabulous uh, store. And I'm standing in the checkout line, and this woman is talking to me about the possibility of having a home birth. And I basically said to her, you are crazy, woman. You are taking your life in your hands and your baby's life in your hands. And, you know, I'm giving her all this baloney. And I have done a 180-degree turnaround on this. I really, truly believe that if you are a a low-risk mother having a low-risk baby, a home delivery with the proper care and the proper uh, backup plan, it really gives you a great way to be in control of your situation of birthing and nursing. All right. So let's say that you are saying to me, no, Marie, that's a little too flaky for me. I would say, okay, well, how about 
uh, considering a home, a, a birth center. I realize that this may mean that you need to change your provider, but think about this. Is your provider the only one who can possibly deliver your baby? And is that, what's, what's the trade-off here? And by the way, it's always, it's always about trade-offs, all right? But let's think about this. Birth centers have a completely different mentality about low-risk strategies for birthing and breastfeeding. Birth centers are home-like, and yet they are not in the home. Very often you can have your kids, I would say probably always, have your little kids with you if that's what you want. They have very comfortable beds. They have whirlpools, etc., etc. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute because you're going to say, oh, yeah, but I went to my prenatal class and they told me the hospital has a whirlpool bath. Okay, great. That's really, I'm all for it. I worked in a hospital where we had a whirlpool bath. How often did we use it? Not as often as we probably should have or could have. So, again, trying to get some control over your situation is going to help you to get control over your postpartum situation as well as your birth situation. Consider a different hospital if you had a really horrible experience in the past. I really hate to say it, but, you know, sometimes we want to stick with our doctor because we love our doctor, but we really hated the hospital. The hospital across town might be a baby-friendly hospital, so think about that. All right, here's one of my best ones. Go home early. When I was a fairly young nurse, I had just helped a woman deliver, and I don't think that she had been delivered. She had delivered the placenta for maybe all of about 10 minutes. The doctor had left, and she informed me that she was going home. I was mortified. I thought, you can't, I I told her, I said, you can't do that. Boy, did I have a lot to learn. Uh, I did convince her that I really wanted her to go to the bathroom and empty her bladder before she went home, which she cheerfully did. But honestly, if you want a good breastfeeding experience, going home is not a bad idea. The real key is, do you have adequate care at home? And this is going to be my pitch for the both the birthing experience and the breastfeeding experience. Do you have a doula? And I will repeat it again. Do you have a doula? I cannot imagine anybody going through birthing and breastfeeding without a labor doula and or a postpartum doula. Now, You probably remember that at the end of 2013, I had a great show with Teresa Bailey, who is a doula, and she talked about why it's so important to have a doula as opposed to just a family member. Doulas are specially prepared to be your advocate, and advocacy is what you're going to need in order to get through a lot of the icky breastfeeding policies that you might not like so much if you are delivering in a hospital that is not a baby-friendly hospital. So here's the thing. People usually say to me, no, I can't afford that. And my question is, can you afford not to? There is a ton, and I mean a ton of literature that goes back to the early 70s with uh, Kennel and Kloss. 
and I still have their landmark book on my shelf. I think it was 1974. Uh, That was their first one, I think. And they talked about how this specially trained support person can make a difference to breastfeeding outcomes and to birth outcomes. And that literature has just piled up and piled up and piled up. So I'm telling you, really think about that. So this goes to, okay, Marie, that's really great. But for one reason or another, I can't have the doula. What else can I do? Okay, here's what you've got to do. You've got to figure out what the hospital won't let you do that you want to do. And here are the three big things that should be on your list. Immediate togetherness with skin-to-skin contact. Immediately after birth. No separation. Not weighing the baby, not measuring the baby, not giving the baby the eye drops, not giving the baby the shots until you have had at least an hour with, certainly not a bath. Okay, there is a ton of scientific evidence to support this. The trouble is that most mothers, when the hospital says, oh, you've got to do this, you've got to do your your baby, we've got to do whatever, most mothers just roll over and say, okay. And you do not need to roll over and say, okay. The trouble is that you're not prepared for it and you don't have somebody else there to speak up for you. So, for instance, uh, well, so number one was immediate togetherness. Number two is rooming in. If you have rooming in with your baby, I can promise you that on-demand feedings, uh, cue-based feedings, will pretty naturally happen. Now, A lot of hospitals will not let you do that, and they will say, no, 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 no. Okay, so what you've got to do is you've got to have your doula or your family member or somebody lined up to be able to supervise you with a nightlight on in your room. That may take away the hospital's objection, but you've got to know what the objections are so that you can be prepared for that. How about exclusive breastfeeding? This is why having a policy is so important for hospitals, and I know it often doesn't happen, but here's the thing. Kids get supplemented at pretty much the drop of a hat in a lot of hospitals. If you look at the World Health Organization, they have got an entire document that is just geared towards the reasons why medical, uh, reasons for, uh, acceptable medical reasons for supplementation. And let me tell you, that list is really short. It is a really short list. And certainly having a premature baby or any baby that's compromised absolutely is number one on the short list, okay? But there are so many things that I've heard hospital folk tell mothers over the years, and that's just not true. It's just not true. All right, so you have got to be fully prepared. You need to find ways to overcome these things. You need to plan ahead, think ahead, have somebody to be your advocate, and often somebody who is there to hold the baby, watch you, supervise, whatever it is. And again, I can't overstate the need for a doula. So I'll summarize those three strategies for you one more time. Number one, awareness. Be aware of what really happens in the side of the hospital where you plan to be. Number two, Generate some alternatives for yourself. And number three, find a workaround. 
determine how to get around some of those policies that you don't want. Remember, you're the mother. It's up to you. When we come back, I'll be talking about some myths about baby-friendly hospitals, and we'll be wrapping it up. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash donor. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuso? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto with Born to be Breastfed on the Health and Wellness Channel for Voice America. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. And before I start wrapping up the show and giving you a few myths about baby friendly, I just want to repeat and make sure that you're following me uh, in the places where you can follow me. All righty. And the, here's my website. 
I usually don't say it until the end of the show, and then I'm kind of blah, 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 fast as I can. So I'm going to say it clearly tonight. It's www.borntobebreastfed.com. If you have questions after the show, please feel free to send me questions. Here's the address. It's radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Radio at borntobebreastfed.com. I will endeavor to answer your questions. All righty. So before we went to the break, I was giving you what I believed were my three surefire strategies for getting in control of the situation so that you can do the baby-friendly hospital practices even if you're not at a baby-friendly hospital. And so as I wrap up tonight, I tried to come up with the 10 myths that I've heard about baby-friendly hospitals. And I will admit, I was only able to write down nine. Maybe I'll be able to write down 10 by the time I can make it to my blog, because you're reading my blog, right? All right, so here were the ones I came up with. First of all, anything that you hear about baby-friendly and the neonatal intensive care unit is a myth. Why so? Because at this point in time, the NICU, the Neonatal Intensive Care Unit, or NICU, is not part of the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative. BFHI is about well babies, low-risk situations. Here's the second myth that I hear, that mothers are somehow forced to do something or forced not to do something. Nothing could be further from the truth. A baby-friendly hospital really empowers the mother to make an informed choice. Number three, this is a myth that has to do with the paying of the formula. And sometimes you'll hear it as mothers have to pay for their own formula, or sometimes you'll hear it as families have to bring up their, in their own formula, and that's just not true. All right, the hospital is buying formula. It's just that they're no longer accepting it for free from the formula companies. And and you're saying, well, wait wait a minute, how does that work? Let me tell you how it works. Hospitals don't get freebie other stuff and give it to patients. Why should we give them free formula? Okay, here's another myth. They'll let your baby starve. Absolutely not, okay? What... The baby-friendly hospital initiative is about is helping you to be able to adequately feed your own baby, to get off to a good start, to make enough milk, to feel confident, to learn to read your baby's cues. We are not going to to let your baby starve. Next one, number five. I don't know if this is a myth or just a criticism, but I usually hear it as, well, that hospital might be baby-friendly, but it sure isn't mother-friendly. All right, you need to take a step back, and you need to think about what mother-friendly is. We are not, I hope, as women, I hope that we are not in that paternalistic mindset. All right? I hope that we believe that we have made the baby, we can now feed the baby. And helping a mother to take care of her own body and to take care of her own baby, well, that is mother-friendly. 
Although I do have to tell you, there is a, a movement that is the mother-friendly initiative, and that's another whole thing, and it is U.S.-based. All right, number six. This is, this is also a myth of, oh, the hospital is just trying to cut costs. Not true. Cost has never been, and I'm sure never will be, the impetus for doing the baby-friendly hospital initiative. Uh, number seven, I get this one all the time. It drives me nuts. Well, the nurse just doesn't want to do her job and watch my baby. I have to go home and take care of kids. I don't want to be taking care of a newborn in the hospital. I'm too exhausted. I don't know why they don't just use their nursery. Okay, as the nurse, this this makes me kind of crazy. All right. This is not about me dumping off the baby in her room and saying goodbye and good luck. This is about me as the nurse probably doing a lot more teaching and taking a lot more time with her than if I had that baby in the central nursery. I'm a reasonably good nursery nurse. I can take care of that baby in a lot shorter time than I can teach her how to do it. Number eight, that formula feeding mothers are treated like second-class citizens. I don't think that's true. I think that it's really, again, about informed choice. And if mothers feel guilty about formula feeding their babies, if mothers feel guilty about giving their baby second best, well, maybe maybe there's a reason for that guilt. And then the ninth one that I came up with was, you're too stingy to give us our freebies. Ah, oh dear, people are so stuck on their freebies. Uh, I don't think hospitals should be giving away freebie anythings, okay? Not pens, not papers, not formula, not anything. So those are just some myths that I think that you need to get by if you're still harboring those. See, if you'd called in, I would have talked a little bit less about those and I would have talked more to you, but you didn't. So maybe you will next time or maybe you'll send me some email. I have two big take-home messages for you. First of all, healthcare is and should be about informed choices. If birthing and breastfeeding is an event that is important to you, you need to be prepared for what it what is and what is not going to be offered to you. The second take-home message is you need to understand what the baby-friendly initiative is about, what it's not about, and you need to figure out how to get those 10 steps for your baby, even if the hospital cannot offer it or does not offer it to all mothers and all babies. Because at the end of the day, really, it's about you and your baby. Okay, you know that these hours always go by too fast. That's all the time we have today. I'd like to thank you for joining Born to be Breastfed, and I'd like to invite you to come back next week. Meanwhile, visit my website at borntobebreastfed.com for a preview of what's coming up. And if you're interested in professional continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. Again, that website for parents, borntobebreastfed.com. And if you're a professional, it's breastfeedingoutlook.com. Don't forget to visit my Facebook. Don't forget to like me while you're there. And to forward any posts that you think other people might be interested in because you are reading my blog there, right? Tell me right. Shake your head yes. 
Okay, then. I'm Marie Biancuto. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.